Let's go! Hey everybody, it's Saturday, and you know what Saturday means? It means it's time for Ask RJS. That's the hashtag that you use on Twitter to get your thoughts on the show. So, I had a bunch of questions that I asked you. I had some questions that you asked me, and without further ado, we're going to have to get started. Just so everybody knows, this po- this episode of Switchcraft is made possible by patrons like you. Get Switchcraft and all of my other content ad-free for as little as a dollar over at patreon.com slash run, jump, stomp. All right. So, let's start with the questions that I asked you. I started out last week talking about the, uh, or I, I, earlier this week, I talked about the Indie World Direct. We got to see it, um, and then I kind of gave my thoughts on it, and I asked what your thoughts were for the Indie World Direct. Um, my question was, just finished the Direct. Of all the games they showed, the one that looked like the coolest to me was Quantum League. What did you think, and what game was your favorite of the bunch? We'll discuss it on Switchcraft, and... Uh, of you gave it a B, 35% of you gave it a C, 16% gave gave the presentation a D, and 5% gave it an A. So I think most people were very, very much in the middle on it. I personally said that it was a B from me. Let's see what people thought about the games that we got to see, though. Jordan Williams tweeted, they said, Baldo and The Last Campfire stood out to me as possible additions to my library overall. I thought it was an average showing. Probably some solid titles in there for other gamers with different interests than mine. Not every Indie Direct has to have home run games for my tastes. Uh, Bowser13 said, Blue Fire and The Last Campfire looked good. So, so far that's two for The Last Campfire. Joe Barrett said, Baldo, Summer in Mara, and The Last Campfire looked really interesting. A lot of people are really enjoying uh, The Last Campfire Uh, as an idea uh, for a game, and uh, let's see what else we have. Uh, Pat Duddy says, I thought the presentation was good. Many of the games were Switch exclusives to start, and I had not heard of any of them prior, which I think is the point. Introduce us to something new. The games that stood out to me were Baldo, Summer in Mara, Good Life, and The Last Campfire. Nelder72 says last campfire looked interesting. Quantum League also is a concept that would be amazing or downright awful. Shows that developers are trying new things. And we'll do one more. Uh, Luke Norman83 says I was desperately hoping for Ori and the Will of the Wisps given Blind Forest was announced at an indie world, but I guess it's too soon after an Xbox release. And that's not all of the messages that people sent to me, but it's a bunch of them. And almost everybody was mentioning The Last Campfire. So I think that that one is really the the big hit of the Indie World Showcase. Uh, so thank you very much, everybody who sent in their thoughts on that. The next question that I asked, I asked this one last week. It says, uh, expanding on, the, okay, so actually I need to preface this. Uh, previous episode, I asked everybody what they thought was the predicting price that they would get for next generation gaming PS5 Xbox Series X. Most people said 499 was the price that they predicted that we would get. And then I said expanding on this idea, how much are you willing to pay for the PS5 or Xbox Series X? Not the pre- not the price that you predict it will be, but what is the highest price that you would be willing to pay? 
for these systems on day one, reply with your reasons. And I said, um, 23.9% said that the highest that they would be willing to go is 399, 499, which is the price that most people decided would be the, the, the price that they would predict. That's also the highest, uh, most people are willing to go 34, uh, percent of the people who responded to this said the highest that they would go is 499. Uh, 30% said 599 is the highest they would go. And 10% said 699 uh, was the highest that they would go. Uh, 8-Bit Guru says, I'd pay upward of 700 for a top-notch console. I plan on having the Xbox Series X as my entertainment hub for the next six to seven years. So $100-ish a year minus games isn't that bad. And, you know, you have to keep in mind that this is a, a system that you're going to buy and then have in your house over a long period of time. And yes, it is a huge upfront cost, but if you're going to keep it for a long time, I think the 8-Bit Guru makes a very, very good point. Webhead says anything over $400 is overpriced. Personally, they don't need Blu-ray features. Everybody owns a Blu-ray player. And to, to, to that, I would say they need the Blu-ray because the 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 games are, are absolutely massive as far as their storage footprint. So you can't use DVD to ship these games. If you did it, it let me give you an example. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake is coming out in, holy cow, less than a month. I'm very excited for that. Uh, but it's coming out in less than a month. And that is, from what we understand, about a third of the original Final Fantasy story, okay? And, uh, of course, they've expanded it. It's it's basically just the Midgar section, and they have expanded it, and it takes up two Blu-rays worth of storage. That would be a whole lot of DVDs if, we, if they didn't have Blu-ray. So I do think that they need to have Blu-ray features. Not everybody is willing to download their games. I know most, well, I wouldn't say most. I know many people... Uh, will only buy physical games. So the idea of get, getting rid of Blu-ray and going back to DVD is pretty rough. That being said, I do fully expect to see an Xbox Series, maybe S, with where it's all digital and they don't have a Blu-ray player, and that would that would definitely cut down on costs. Not necessarily because Blu-ray is so expensive to include from a hardware pricing perspective, but they have to pay the licensing to get that uh, particular um, technology in a system. Here's an example for you. The Wii. Remember the Wii? That weird white console that sat on, on a weird angle and you waved around a remote control for it. You remember that thing? That thing could, like, it, it basically, it played DVDs, but it couldn't you couldn't watch DVD movies on it because Nintendo didn't want to pony up the dough to get the licensing to let us watch DVDs on the Wii, which I personally thought that was kind of a, 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 I understand it's a cost savings move and the Wii was priced very low and it still sold like crazy. But I think a lot of people would have liked to have that under their uh, under their TV and not have to have a DVD player as well. So, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to look at it. Uh, let's see. Michael Anderson uh, said, 
the highest I would pay is not listed, not even close. $1,000 is fine by me, but I don't need it as I like Stadia. I love the no downloads, no installations, and no patches. And I have to say, um, you know, I, I received a review code to get uh, Doom Eternal on uh, on Stadia, you know, because I have a Stadia-focused podcast. And uh, I, I got that code and uh, didn't have to download anything. I got the code and just put it in and then started playing instantaneously. Uh, very, very quick load times, no installation, no download. It was fantastic. So I get what you're saying, Michael. However, I'm curious as to why you think a thousand is fine for, um, for, for an Xbox or a PlayStation if you're not interested in getting one. Uh, that seems kind of counterintuitive. Anyway, thank you for the reply. We'll answer, we'll do one more answer. And this one comes from Ranger Rainer. He says, $500 is what I'm hoping for, but I'd pay up to $600, but no more. Well, what if it's $620? Are you going to buy it then, Rainer? Uh, anyway, thank you, everybody, for sending in your replies. I've got another question that I asked, and this one I said, which do you think is the better Mario game? Super Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario World. And last week I said specifically I would not answer this question because I was afraid that I would influence the results like somebody would hear my thoughts and they'd be like oh I'm much more likely to like somebody would hear what I said and then they would say I'm going to vote the other way because I wasn't going to vote in the in the uh, poll anyway but Bill is so wrong I have to disagree with him and I didn't want to influence it uh, so I personally think that Super Mario World is a better game and what really surprises me is that people agree with me 68%, this wasn't even close, 68% of people said that Super Mario World is a better game than Super Mario Brothers 3. And if I went around and asked people, I completely expected people to say Super Mario Brothers 3 is better. I have extremely fond memories playing Super Mario Brothers World. We went to the local department store, it was called Woolworth. And uh, my friends and I would get on our bikes and we would ride up to the local department store and up on the second floor in the back of the building, they had the electronics department, which back at the in the day would meant, um, you know, stereos and cassettes and things like that and TVs. And at the back of the electronics department, they had a TV set up with Super Mario World. Uh, on and a Super Nintendo, and you could play for I think it was five minutes before it would automatically reset. And my friends and I would get on our bikes because none of us, none of us had uh, a Super Nintendo. We all had uh, either Ataris or Nintendo Entertainment Systems. None of us had uh, Super Nintendo. Uh, a couple of us had a, a Genesis, and I think one of my friends had a Sega Master System. And one of my friends told us that he had a TurboGrafx-16, but I'm not sure if he actually did. Anyway, we would ride our bikes over, uh, he said, because it was at his, his dad's house, not his mom's house, so who know, who knows? But we would get on our bikes, and we would ride to uh, Woolworth, and we would go up to the electronics section, and we would take turns playing Super Mario World, the first five minutes of it, over and over and over until the... Uh, 
until the the electronics guy came back and gave us the stink eye and said, you guys have been here long enough. You're clearly not buying anything. You got to go. And so we would leave for a while and then we would we would go play basketball or something. We would come back and play it again. Uh, and he would, of course, kick us out again. And I, I, that's one of my favorite memories when I was growing up of, of uh, from video games is because it was just this cool thing. And we were all flabbergasted at how amazing Super Mario World looked. Well, so many people agreed with me. Uh, John DeRoche says, I chose World, but I still love three. Raccoon Tales, Tanuki Suits, and Angry Sons. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jack Serco says, Better Game World, Better Memories. Three. Oh, I like that. Uh, Nate says, Both are perfect, in my opinion. Adamantium says, Why would you do this to me? He, could, he couldn't make a decision. And then finally, uh, Harry Babcock says, Even though I voted for World, I really love three. Something about collecting the flutes to power run the game was always exciting, especially when I first read about the secrets in Nintendo Power Magazine. So, you know, that reminds me of, uh, you know, I, I, when I was growing up, I subscribed to Electronic Gaming Monthly. And I'm curious as to how many people are out there that also subscribed to video game magazines growing up. And I want to know which ones were your favorite video game magazines going up. This is from a bygone era. So I'm going to tweet this out right now. All right. So I just tweeted out. It says, which video game magazines did you read slash subscribe to growing up? For me, it was Nintendo Power and EGM. EGM was far and away my favorite. I still read old issues to this day. I read them on my iPad. Reply with your answers and I'll include them in next week's Ask RJS show. So make sure that if you don't follow me on Twitter, I'm at RunJumpStomp on Twitter. You can find that tweet. And uh, I'll leave it in a link in the show notes for you to check out as well. Uh, but I'll um, you, you reply to that tweet and it will be included in next week's episode of Ask RJS. All right, let's move on. Let's actually take a break. We'll hear from a sponsor. And when we come back, we've got more stuff to talk about. Stick around. Last week also showed us the reveal of the Lego Mario set, and I asked for uh, your thoughts on whether or not you were going to be picking this uh, this Lego set up. 32% said yes, 67% said no. Joel Thompson replied, he said, I have a kid. I will be buying, buying the Mario set, wishing I had this stuff when I was young. Um, okay. <laughs> okay, Boomer replied, I think these sets are very cool. I love the idea of making your own Mario levels and the technology aspect. The only thing that is wrong with these sets is the Square Mario. I would love to see more Lego Nintendo sets in the future like a Donkey Kong and Star Fox. So last week somebody asked me what guilty pleasure games that I keep going back to and then I decided to turn that question around to, to all of you. Uh, I said, do you have a guilty pleasure game? 80% said yes, 20% said no. And the answers, uh, Anthony Talcott replied, Skyrim and Doom 2016. Nintendork says Pokemon. Uh, Smashblock says Legend of Dragoon. I have a lot of great memories with this game. Sometimes I just listen to the music online for comfort. That kind of reminds me of when I was a kid. If I ever was, you know, behaving in a less than optimal way and my parents had to punish me, which happened every once in a while. Uh, they would take away my controllers, and so I would put the games in the in the system and turn it on, 
and I would listen to the music on the screen while I was doing whatever else that I could do uh, because I still wanted to hear that music. And that's probably where my love for video game music comes. I love chiptunes and stuff like that. So, yeah, thank you very much, Smashblock, for uh, making me think about that. Uh, Rabbit Geek says, on the Switch, it's Skyrim, except when it's Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh, let's see. Mikey B. Playing says, mine has always been Dota 2. I've broken the addiction ties, but it's always a pleasure to go back for a round or two. And we'll do one more. I had a lot of replies to this run. I'm sorry, to this one. And uh, let's see. Uh, Batrock, the, tw the tweeter, says, picks the cat. I got it free on PSN. And then I bought it on Switch. I've never even heard of that one. But thank you very much, everybody who... I'll, I'll just read off a couple of others. Tamadachi Life, um, uh, Old Muds, Dead by Daylight, Homefront, Sonic Adventure, Breath of the Wild. Uh, let's see, what else did people say? Hyrule Warriors, Final Fantasy VII, Mario World, Skyrim again, Wolfenstein Youngblood, War of the Monsters, Kingdoms of Amalur, Reckoning on PS3. Anyway, thank you everybody for replying to that. You guys are awesome. And it, it makes for uh, a more fun show when I get to get you guys involved as well. I got a question on our community Discord, which if you haven't joined our community Discord yet, you can join it over at runjumpstomp.com Discord and Crazy Legs sent in a question. They said, video games are great to play with family and friends while we are all stuck at home due to the COVID-19, obviously. Uh, but do you have any ideas for non-video games that can be played while using FaceTime? I'm trying to uplift the spirits of my older family members during these crazy times. Crazy Legs on Discord. Okay, Crazy Legs, I don't know if FaceTime is necessarily the way that you want to go for, for my particular suggestion, um, but, uh, what I would recommend is Edge of the Empire. It is a tabletop RPG, uh, set in the Star Wars universe. And, uh, basically the Edge of the Empire doesn't really focus on Jedi and Sith, although you can play as a force sensitive user or user force sensitive character, but it's really more about the bounty hunters and the smugglers and the pilots and stuff like that. And uh, right now, the uh, core rule book, which is awesome and has beautiful art in it, as well as takes you step by step through the process of making a character, is currently on sale on Amazon uh, for $47.94. Normally, it's a $60 uh, book. Now, you can buy this. And uh, the other people do not have to actually have it. You can just buy this yourself and, you know, you could make the characters for the other people. And then you could run the whole thing right over over your um, over your phone. Um, you could now um, you could use if you wanted to use your phone, you could. But you can also use Roll20. I think that there's a Roll20 app on phone as well. I, I would have to check into that. Um, but Roll20.net is a website that you can go to on any computer and you can play these these tabletop games virtually from a distance. In fact, I have played Edge of the Empire virtually from a distance using Roll20 before. One more thing that you have to have in conjunction with this is the Edge of the Empire Dice Roller, which is a website that just... Because Edge of the Empire has these weird dice. They're a bunch of weird shapes and different colors and, you know... 
green things are good and purple things are bad. And, and you basically, you based on whatever it is that you're trying to do, you assemble a pool of weird dice that you roll and then you roll them and then some things cancel each other out. If you read the book, you'll understand it. But, um, you know, it, not everybody's going to have these kind of dice, but you can just roll these dice on a website and I'll uh, include a link to the dice rolling uh, website in the show notes, there's also an app that you can use as well. Um, it is one of the most fun uh, tabletop experiences that I have ever had is playing Edge of the Empire. I remember one time we were playing and um, we were like, the I was playing the, the GM or the Galaxy Master and one of my friends were they were trying to escape from a bunch of stormtroopers that were chasing them. They were running through the streets of Tatooine, and as they ran past a water tower, they ended up noticing that it was all rusty and stuff. So they they shot the the um or no, I think it was a Wookiee used a vibro axe and hacked at one of the legs of the water tower, which then collapsed and washed all the stormtroopers away, and they were able to escape. It's like moments like that are really, really cool and can be done just over FaceTime if you want. As long as you have access to the dice in a computer and a book, you can make some really fun adventures for the people who aren't really into video games. Now, maybe they won't be into this kind of thing, in which case I'm sure you can find uh, other ideas. And, you know, if you have ideas for Crazy Legs, then join the Discord and, uh, you know, let them know. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, one last question. This one comes from Enzyme Zero, also a Discord member. And he said, what is your opinion on the business model of Overwatch versus Paladins versus Fortnite? What do you think is good and what do you hate? Is Paladins pay to win? I love the shows. Well, thank you very much, uh, Enzyme, both for listening and for participating in a show. Um, all right, so let me first off, I want to separate the business model of each of the three that he asked about. Overwatch, you buy the game, and then you you basically everything is unlocked except for cosmetic skins. Uh, those you can play the game to unlock via loot boxes. Uh, as you win games or play games, you get gold that you can then spend on those loot boxes. You hit the loot box out pops a skin that you can then equip. However, all of these skins don't do anything to the game. They just change what your character looks like. And I, I think of all of the business models of these three, actually, I think this is the best one. That being said, in addition to that on Overwatch, you can also pay real money for gold and buy the loot boxes. I don't like that because I think of that as gambling. And I think that that should be restricted in video games. However... Uh, well, I think that I think that that should make Overwatch rated M, in my opinion. And uh, we can have this discussion if you guys want me to talk more about uh, this particular kind of topic. Let, let me know. All right, now let's compare that to Paladins. Paladins is a free-to-play game. You don't have to pay any money to play it. And the heroes that you have in the game, you only have access to that week's heroes, which change each week or any heroes that you have paid money for. So is that pay to win? I mean, maybe. It depends on how good the balance is. And it also depends on how, like, 
you can also pay money to unlock all of the heroes, which makes it very much like Overwatch. Is that pay to win? I don't really know if it's pay to win because I feel like Paladins is balanced pretty well. That being said, I have not played Paladins for a long time. I always refer to Paladins as poor man's Overwatch. I think Overwatch is infinitely superior to Paladins, both in its monetization system and in its moment-to-moment gameplay. However, I also really think Paladins is a very, very good game. Now let's compare this to Fortnite. Fortnite has the monetization model where nothing that you buy influences gameplay in any way. So it's it's a very much like Overwatch in that respect. However, Fortnite doesn't have any loot boxes. You just pay whatever it is that you want for the skins that you get. And, or I'm sorry, you pay whatever, you pay the price for the skins that you want. I think that's a better way to say it. That being said, Fortnite very, very, and this is something that I didn't realize right away, but Fortnite preys upon people's preponderance, listen to that alliteration right there, to impulse buy stuff. Uh, how do they do that? Well, they say, hey, here's this cool skin and you can buy it for the next 24 hours only. And then after that, it's gone and it's not coming back for a long time. And so a lot of people get that fear of missing out and they start spending money that they probably shouldn't in order to unlock these skins because they're like, oh, well, now I'm going to now is the only chance that I'll have to buy it. So I better buy it right now. And so uh, I don't like that business model because it preys on people's, oh gosh, I I don't want to say personality disorder, but it might be like a personality disorder where someone can't control their, like they have no impulse control when it comes to making purchases. Video games are new at this, you know? Stores in the real world have been doing this since the dawn of time, I think. Hey, you can get this on sale right now. Buy two, get one free. You know, that preys on people's um, inability to resist impulse buying things. And Fortnite really leans heavily on preying on people's impulse buying things. And I don't like that. So of the three that you list, I think Overwatch is the best business model. However, I wish that Overwatch either got rid of the loot boxes. Well, not got rid of the loot boxes. I wish that Overwatch got rid of the fact that you can buy gold or was rated M by the ESRB. I would love to hear what you guys think of this. So I'm actually going to send out a tweet in response to this, and it's going to say, uh, let me pause while I write the tweet. Okay, I just tweeted it out, and it says, of Overwatch, Paladins, and Fortnite, which do you feel has the most consumer-friendly monetization model? Reply with your reasons, and I'll talk about them on the next Ask RJS. So uh, please let me know what you guys think of that. And uh, that, that's going to be our show for today. Thank you, everybody who sent in questions or replied to my, uh, my, my tweets and uh, the, the questions that I asked. You guys are all awesome. If you haven't already, 
You want to participate with other people who are like you, other people who like to talk about video games, then get in our Discord over at runjumpstomp.com slash Discord. You can watch the show live on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. You can subscribe to my Stadia podcast called StadiaCast, wherever you download podcasts. And please give it a shot. 143 Pixels, it's a uh, show very, very different than all of my other shows, and uh, it's a love letter to video games, and I hope that you'll check out 143 Pixels, which you can find, again, along with all of my other shows over at runjumpstomp.com shows or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. This show is part of the Giant Size Team Up Network. If you want more information about the other shows on this network, check out gstu.net. And we're out of here. The music you're hearing right now is Corneria Star Fox Remix by Noteblock. Big thanks to Noteblock for letting me use their music. I'll see you guys next time. Until then, stay rad. Stay rad.